Well, thank you for joining me for this Bible Journeys podcast. This is episode three, and we're continuing in our series on Read the Bible as it was meant to be read. Welcome to the Bible Journeys podcast. Your traveling companion is Ed Dickerson, an author, teacher, and scholar. He holds a master's degree in religious education from Andrews University. As you explore together, you'll learn tools and techniques that illuminate scripture, renew your faith, and brighten your journey. Uh, we're continuing our series on the Read the Bible as it was meant to be read. If you haven't already uh, heard the first two podcasts or viewed them, you probably should do that. That will help you to understand uh, why in the world I think I know how the Bible was meant to be read, and more importantly, how you know how it was meant to be read. And also, uh, where we start, we're going to read it as story. This podcast will take up the question... Begin at the beginning, but where is that? The beginning is not always as you expect it to be. Now, you may say, how could that possibly be? Well, let's take a look at the four Gospels. We have here four books of the Bible that are devoted to the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, told from four different perspectives by four different authors. And when we read the Gospels, we tend to, uh, when we think about the Gospels, we tend to sort of lump them together, or as someone has said, we put them in a blender, and they end up with everything, you know, it's all the same stuff, trying to make it uniform. The problem is that it, when you do that with a blender, you don't, you lose the flavor of each of the individual things. You, you lose the particular things that are happening. And the same thing happens with the Gospels. Yes, they're talking about the same person, the same divine person, but they are doing it from four different angles, and each of the four gospel writers, they're often referred to as the four evangelists, the four writers are telling this uh, from a, to a different audience and from a slightly different perspective, and therefore they're telling us a slightly different story. Now, this is not a problem. And it doesn't mean that one of them is wrong, or two of them are wrong, or any of that. It isn't about which one is right and which one is wrong. If we really know any human being, to tell the entire life story of any person who's lived any length of time at all, uh, would take more than one account to get the entire person. And uh, each of us would tell this story in the context of how we met and knew that person, and from our own background, and explaining to an audience that uh, we were uh, trying to reach. So there's nothing, there's no uh, conflict in the Gospels just because they're different. In fact, they're telling the same story, but they're telling it slightly differently. They're emphasizing, we talked about this in the second podcast, in The Peace Child. It isn't changing the story, it is changing what we emphasize within the story. So, let's look at these Gospels, because each of the Gospels begins at a different point in time, at a different point in the or time of his history, at, the different, at a different point in the time of the life of Christ, and indeed at a different point of time 
uh, in cosmology, the entire universe. It's really pretty amazing stuff when we really look at the Gospels and what they do. And that's what we're going to be doing here. So Matthew, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm taking these in the order I believe they were written. Uh, this is not the most commonly th taught thing. The most commonly taught uh, thing is the about Mark being first. But I, uh, I differ with that, and there's plenty of evidence for my position. I'm not going to take that up in detail here, because that would just take too much time. But I will be offering, for those who are uh, interested, to my patrons, I will be offering uh, an explanation of why I choose the order that I do and why I don't choose the what's called the mark and priority, that is, mark being written first. But let's leave that aside. Matthew begins this way. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then he starts with the genealogy. He said, this is the genealogy. He tells us whose genealogy is, and then he recites it, beginning with, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and going straight from there. Now, the reason this happens, I believe, it's the beginning for Matthew, because Matthew, I believe, is writing at, in the early part of the church history, not long after the crucifixion, and I'm saying not long, I believe that it was written as early as say, the 50s, uh, AD 50s, maybe 60. And his, his beginning is the genealogy of Jesus, starting with Abraham. Why is that the beginning for him? Well, he told us. He wants us to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. But that means that he's writing to an audience for whom that is crucially important. And that audience would be Jews. They want to know that the Messiah, because the Messiah has to be the son of David, has to be the son of Abraham. And so Matthew wants to establish that right from the start that Jesus is, we might say, eligible to be the Messiah because of his genealogy. And then he goes on to other reasons why Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. But he wants to start, because he's writing to a Jewish audience, and the church was, in, at the beginning, was almost all Christians. Don't forget that at Pentecost, and Pentecost is a Jewish feast, that the people that were added to the church daily, as they say, the people that are added to the church at that time were Jews who were in Jerusalem for Pentecost. He wants you to know this is the Messiah. That's why he begins where he does, because his audience is a largely Jewish audience. Matters a lot. All right. Matthew begins there. And by the way, the Matthew's Christmas story, because Matthew does have a Christmas story, it includes the wise men and the slaughter of the innocents and the trip to Egypt and all of these things, none of which are mentioned in any other gospel. Any other gospel. This is one of the many ways that we can tell that his gospel is primarily aimed, aimed at a Jewish Christian audience or a Jewish audience that he would like to be Christian. So the early church, again, the evangelism began with the Jews. Jesus even said that in the, in the Great Commission 
to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into all the world. If you look at that, it's a very it's a simple progression, concentric circles. Ju Jerusalem, Judea, then you go larger, you get to Samaria, and then there's the rest of the world. So Matthew is if Matthew's first, it's following that same pattern. All right. Luke. Now Luke is different entirely. Luke, his name is Greek, and he writes a very different for a different purpose. He doesn't start with a genealogy. He includes one several chapters after he begins, but his genealogy goes back to Adam. And this makes perfect sense if we understand who Luke was and who he was writing to. Luke. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Luke was not one of the twelve disciples. In fact, Luke is a Gentile name, it's a Greek name, and he was probably not in Judea at the time Jesus was there. He may not have been there uh, ever, actually, or it's not obvious because he has some trouble with geography. He has no trouble with dates, though. He's, that's the orderly account. He makes sure his dates are perfect. Uh, Luke uh, 3, for example, ties down because they didn't have dates the way we have dates. They didn't have a common calendar, but they did it according to the year of a certain king ruling. And in Luke 3, you'll see that he ties it down to several different rulers so we can know as precisely as they could know in that day when these things happened. He meant it okay because he wanted to have as he will continue here, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. As we said, it's very orderly, especially when it comes to chronology. For you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now, this isn't what we're used to. Uh, even, neither Matthew nor Luke says, the Spirit of the Lord came to me and inspired me to do this. Matthew is writing his account of the life of Christ for his fellow Jewish Christians, his fellow Jews. Luke is writing at an increasingly, and this is what happens in the history of the church, an increasingly Gentile church. It starts out in Jerusalem and it goes to the Jews, but then it spreads. And soon it is at least a 50-50 church in terms of Gentiles and Jews. And Luke is writing for those people. Theophilus is a Gentile name. It's a Greek name. And it means lover of God. Theos is God. Philos is to love. The lover of God. Now, the, the, we don't know for sure if there was a particular individual named Theophilus for whom he was writing this, or whether, as often happened in ancient times, they would write a book to Theophilus, meaning all the lovers of God, whoever loves God, all the Greek Gentile lovers of God. So that's who Luke is writing to. There's plenty of evidence in that. As we said, uh, his genealogy goes back to Adam because all of us, Gentiles and Jews alike, 
go back to Adam. And it's very common in Luke when the Greeks come late in the gospel and say, we would see Jesus, that's in Luke. And Luke does not have the kings. Luke does not have the, the journey to Egypt in his Christmas story. In his Christmas story, we have the shepherds. And in fact, it's very interesting because the shepherds were very low status in uh, the Jewish economy. And physicians, Luke is also a physician, we find out. Physicians were also low in status, not like today. Why? Because back then, the doctors didn't have a whole lot they could do for people. In terms of Judaism, they were often uh, involved with bodily fluids, which made them ritually unclean. And even the Gentiles weren't happy with all the, the uh, fluids that uh, the, the physicians might find themselves with. And they couldn't do a lot for you. And so people didn't like doctors and didn't want to go to doctors because there was usually that was kind of like the last stop before you were gone. And so physicians were not a high status. And the shepherds were not as well. And, and so Luke is one who very much understands the, uh, those who are of low status in society. For example, in Matthew, the angel speaks to Joseph. In Luke, the angel speaks to Mary. So, they, uh, their, their approach is quite different. So, in the beginning for Luke is not in the beginning where it doesn't begin with the genealogy that Matthew begins with. For Luke, the beginning of his gospel to reach the audience that he is seeking to reach. First of all, it's the, his focus is methodology. He's telling his Greek because the Greeks are logical and they're very reason-oriented. We are very Greek in our mindset, which is why um, we have trouble sometimes with the Old Testament and, and other things. We, we have just a different way of approaching things, but we're very Greek in that way, very much about logic and reason. We want to know which one's accurate and so forth. Um, and the terms of what we think of as accuracy the, the Hebrews, the Jews, were not quite so interested. They were thinking about, they would think about wholeness and take a holistic view rather than an analytic view, breaking it down. But Luke is going to do that analytic view, the breaking down. And uh, so in order that he can have an orderly account for Theophilus, you may be certain. You can be certain because I've done this in an orderly fashion. I've done my investigation. I've placed the things in order, and you can have confidence because of that. So, in some ways, Matthew or Luke is a, a more um, appropriate gospel for people like me, who are Gentiles, people in the Western civilization today, who tend to be more Greek in their mindset. Matthew is a very beautiful gospel. It's just different. And Luke is a physician, uh, and he's speaking to. Theophilus. Both uh, Luke and Theophilus are Greek. They're Gentile names. And uh, the church, if we're correct in the, if I'm correct in my belief in the order, and again, I'll take that up in a separate uh, podcast, which is available to my patrons. If I'm correct in my, the order in which these were written, then this is to an increasingly Gentile and Greek church. So it makes perfect sense. Now we come to Mark. Again, most uh, 
Seminary will teach that Mark is first. Many people believe that, but not everybody. Uh, it is respectable, as I say. I'll go into that separately. But Mark begins a totally different place. Mark begins this way. Verse 1, chapter 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So he doesn't start with, the, with a genealogy going back to Abraham. He doesn't start with the pregnancies, which is what Mark Luke starts with, being a physician. He's fascinated by the miraculous births. Mark starts at the beginning of the good news, the beginning of the preaching of the gospel. And as it is written, he says in verse 2, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the, for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. So here we have a totally different, he doesn't begin with the childhood. There is no Christmas story in Mark. We don't know anything of Jesus' childhood and development, which Luke tells us about being a physician. He's interested in child development. He tells us that Jesus grew in, in wisdom and stature and so forth. Um, Mark, it tells us, here's what the beginning of the gospel was. Here was the, the good news when it began. And by the way, uh, pretty much everyone agrees that Mark got his gospel from Peter. And Peter, as we know from all the gospels, is a fisherman and he's a man of action. And the gospel of Mark is a gospel of action. In the King James the most common word is straightway. Uh, one translation puts that immediately. Immediately this, and immediately that, and immediately. Uh, and your head spins. You can read Mark in a pretty short time because it's the shortest gospel. And if you do so, your head will practically spin. Because Peter, talking to Mark, is giving uh, his, his idea of the, of the gospel. And it's, it's a, one of action very rapid and intense uh, action, and it can be very delightful. Uh, and so let's look for Mark then, in, in the Gospel of Mark, the beginning is the preaching of John the Baptist. That's the first part of the good news. John makes the way, Mark quotes uh, Isaiah, and uh, John is the one who is the forerunner of Christ, and he makes the way saying, this is going to happen. So according to Peter, and therefore through Mark, this is where the gospel begins. This is where Jesus begins. It's where the gospel begins. And I suspect that the reason for this, and one of the reasons I think that Mark is third and not first, is that people had the gospel of Matthew, and they had the gospel of Luke, and there are differences. And as is true of people at all times and all ages, when there are differences, they want to ask the question, well, who's right? Which one's right? Hey, Peter, clear this up. And Peter, rather than engaging in the fight, when, when Mark, Matthew and Luke disagree, Mark is almost always silent. It's like Mark. And Peter is saying, don't get caught up in those trivial arguments. Here's the basic gospel. And so he doesn't settle the argument. He doesn't enter into the argument. He simply gives a, uh, an account which is compatible 
with the ones that already exist, both Luke and Matthew. And all the reasons that they claim Mark might be first actually work just as well for why Mark might be third. And they don't involve an imaginary document, which I'll mention in a little bit. So Mark is, begins with the preaching of John the Baptist, and that's because he wants to keep it right down. This is very like Peter when you think about it. Peter is no-nonsense, he's action-oriented, and he's just going to give you the basics of the good news. He's not going to get involved in deeply uh, difficult theological issues, because the gospel at its heart is simple. And Mark is the gospel where basically you see a war. Jesus is casting out demons. He's undoing the work of Satan. That's what happens in Mark. He casts out the demons, and then he begins to tear down the work that the demons have done, disease and death and suffering. And uh, that's Mark for you. And, and good for Peter. Good for Mark. It's a wonderful, wonderful gospel once you come to appreciate it. His audience is a general audience. It's a ch The church is both Jew and Gentile. We know this from when and how he translates uh, the Aramaic, which is what they spoke. They didn't speak Hebrew. Uh, this is uh, Hebrew was largely a language of scholars in those days, like Latin and Greek would be today, or Hebrew for that matter. Uh, the common people spoke Aramaic. And so uh, you see that Peter uh, avoids most of these, but he generally translates the Aramaic. He wants to make sure the audience all gets it. So that's Peter. Now we come to the fourth and final gospel, and it is the final in many ways. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Well, we saw that in the beginning for Matthew is the uh, Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. In the beginning for Luke is, uh, on the one hand, Adam, but on the other hand, it's the pregnancies, the miraculous birth of both John the Baptist and Jesus. And again, a physician would be very interested in that. Mark, through Peter through Mark, is telling us just the basics of the gospel. But John goes back before the beginning of everything. The beginning for him is the very beginning before the earth was made because everything was made by the Word. And he begins with the Logos because he's, this is at the end of the first century, we think. And the Logos is a philosophically rich and well-known concept. And he begins with the Logos, the organizing principle of the universe. And he says that this Logos tabernacled among us. Why he wants to lay a broad and deep foundation for the people of his day and for future generations. We find many references to, we didn't understand at the time, but you can believe and know anyway. And that's the purpose. He tells us in the 20th, the 20th chapter of John that he chose what he wrote here so that we could believe and have life in Jesus Christ. So there you are. The audience is primarily generations to come because he knows he's the last living 
disciple. Then that if people are going to believe, the church is going to have to transition because there won't be any living witnesses who saw Jesus. And so John is designed to help those people. So just to recap, where the story begins depends upon what theme or aspect of the story the author wants to emphasize. And that depends upon who your audience is. Remember, the peace child. They had to emphasize different parts of the story of Jesus' life in order to reach that audience. And the gospel writers were very aware of this in their own day. And we're going to look at the author, the audience, the emphasis, and where the gospel begins. Matthew is the author. His audience is Jews, Jewish Christians. His emphasis is on Jesus as the Messiah. And he begins with the genealogy. And that genealogy begins with Abraham. Luke has uh, a Greek and a J. He writes to his audience. He says it's Theophilus, which may be a particular Greek believer, or maybe the lovers of God who speak Greek. The, and he focuses on the methodology. I'm giving you an orderly account. He takes for granted that what happens is it's miraculous. Because it's miraculous, he wants to give it in a logical and airtight sort of argument. He's very much like a lawyer in, in our court system. Uh, and that's what Luke is doing in his gospel. Mark, I believe, writing after both Matthew and Luke. Again, I'll discuss that in a separate podcast available to patrons. Mark got his gospel from Peter, and he is writing to a church which already has two gospels and who may be feuding over that to some degree. And so his emphasis is on the basic gospel, the good news, the good news concerning Jesus. And it begins, therefore, with the preaching of John the Baptist. So he doesn't have to settle or side with, John, with Matthew or with Luke over whether it was shepherds or whether it was wise men. Uh, that, that's, of course, both can be possible, but he just doesn't want to get involved in that. And he gives you a very action-oriented gospel, which, again, we would expect from someone like Peter. And then, of course, there is John written far later than all the rest of them, after all of them. And John is the author, and his audience is primarily future generations. There's much evidence for this within his gospel. And he wants them to understand you didn't have to be there. But simply by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, you may have eternal life. And that's why he begins before everything. He wants to give a broad and deep foundation and uh, so that you can believe that the organizing principle of the world, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. And by believing that, you may have eternal life. He's speaking to future generations. So where the story begins depends upon what theme or aspect of that story you want to emphasize and upon who your audience is. In the next episode, we're going to talk about how to study an entire book of the Bible. I hope that you will embark on your own Bible journeys where you discover the treasures of the Word for yourself. If you've gained something from this discussion, please be sure to share it with someone. 
because those who join our Bible journeys here can become our traveling companions for eternity.